Welcome to the Overgivers Anonymous podcast. My name is Angela Mondor, also known as the Geeky Girl. In this podcast, we're going to be talking about some amazing things to help you get over overgiving. Hi, and welcome to this episode. Today, I want to talk to you about neurodiversity and the impact it has in your business and the impact it could have in your business, even if you don't have neurodiversity yourself. So whether you are the person who has the neurodiversity like myself, or you are uh, somebody who maybe has team members or people in your business who have some neurodiversity, maybe this could help you to create a better environment for them or to help you to maybe connect with them on a different level. So let's get to it. Let's talk about my perspective, because this is what's really important about neurodiversity is that each individual human being is going to experience things differently. Yes, I have ADHD. I also have something called OCPD, which is a coping mechanism or a comorbidity that helped me with my ADHD before I knew what was going on. So each individual human being is going to have their own set of skills that they bring to the table, their their own set of uh, strengths, as well as some of the challenges that they're dealing with. And depending on whether or not um, they have had time to deal with these things or whether it's new to them, there's so many different ways. So I can only tell you how it impacts me and I can shed some light on some of the things that I have learned from other people um, that I have spoken to or I've had in my life. And then it's all about learning A, yourself and B, other people learning from the people that are actually going through what they are going through. So my personal perspective uh, with my ADHD, I do have something I do use hyperfocus. Now it can be tr- problematic. Um, I've, I put a lot of things in place to keep me so that my hyperfocus doesn't take me down too much of a rabbit hole. But man, when I can, when I can turn on that hyperfocus and I can just like, ah, zone in on a thing, I can get a whole lot of things done and I can plow through a bunch of work. This is really great for me. Um, and I've learned different ways to turn it on. Sometimes people have a hard time they they can't actually use it in that way. It just sort of happens to them. Um, for me, I have been able to hone it. So I love my hyperfocus. I have to be careful because either I won't drink, I won't go to the bathroom, I won't eat. Those kinds of things can be waylaid because of the hyperfocus. Um, I actually have a Google Home behind me and it'll actually say, hey, it's you know time to get up and stretch or it's time to get something to drink or those kinds of ideas, even though I mostly tune it out every once in a while, it goes off and I go, oh, that's right. I haven't had a drink in a while. Those are some things that work for me, making sure that I have you know, things in my calendar that let me know when I have other things to get done. Getting out of hyperfocus is difficult because when you're, when I'm in it, I'm like all in. Um, so there's, there can be a natural progression to coming out, but there's other things like I could literally be working and the sun could be setting and the room could be getting dark and that just won't matter. I'll just keep working and I won't notice that that much time has gone by. Okay. But when I hone it and use it to my benefit, which is what I'm, what I'm talking about, I'm able to get so much done and it feels good after I'm exhausted. I'm spent, I'm over it, but I feel good about the work that I got done. Okay. So that's one thing for me that in in my um, neurodivergent brain has been a, I've been able to use that for good in my brain. Um, other thing, problem solving skills. I am really good at finding out of the box solutions to problems. 
and it doesn't even have to be business related. Um, a lot of times people will talk to me and I have, I literally have to say, Hey, do you want me to give you a solution or do you just want me to listen? <laughs> Cause I'm really solution oriented. I really want to give you a solution and I don't want to give you just one solution. I want to give you multiple solutions and I want to talk about which one could be working better for you. Now, this can be fantastic when it comes to trying to solve business problems, creating new and unique ways of doing things in my business. It can be a hindrance for relationships. So that's why I have to be really careful and ask those questions. Do you want a solution or do you just want to tell me about it? And you know what? That's come up even in my own home life with my children and those kinds of things. My husband, they come to me with something. I'm like, ah, da, 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 and then I go, oh, hold on a second. Do you actually want solutions or just an ear? So it can help me in my business in a lot of ways. It can help my clients because, of course, my clients are coming to me for answers for solutions. Um, that's a really good way that it works inside my business. And it can hinder me a little bit in interpersonal relationships. Now, another thing that's really um, part of my brain is the attention to employee well-being. I also have this and this spends not just employee well-being, but also client well-being as well. On top of my ADHD stuff, I also would say that I'm an empath. So that is something that um, really works really well for me in all situations, regardless of whether it's business or personal, uh, interpersonal relationships outside in the world. Uh, when I'm working with somebody, I can feel what's going on with them and I can literally feel whether or not something is resonating with them, whether they're feeling good about it or bad about it. That is a valuable tool. It's in my toolbox. I think it's um, one of my massive tools, actually. Um, the only thing that that is negative about that particular tool is that if I can feel people are upset with me, and I can't get to the bottom of it. There's, they're not willing to share why they're upset or um, there's, there's no way around. I can just feel the anger or upsetness from them and I just can't figure out the answer. And of course, going back to that whole problem solving piece, I really want to know why. So um, those three things I think are my biggest strengths in terms of my neurodiversity and the things that are my struggles, I've had to find ways to cope. I've had to find coping mechanisms or different ways of doing things so that um, that works for me, right? So some of the things that I struggle with is difficulty with networking and socializing with people. Don't get me wrong. Get me in a room and I love talking to people, but you got to get me out of my shell first. You've got to get me out of the house. You got to get me out of my routine first. I really like my routine. Um, I've even said to my husband, don't even ask me if you want me to take, if you want me to go skating with you, or you want me to go do this event with you, just say, Hey, we're going. A lot of times when people ask me, Hey, do you want to go do this? My answer is always no. But in my brain, I go, no, you have to say yes. <laughs> you like spending time with these people. So you have to say yes, you have to go do these things. That's spills out into social media too. <clears throat> And that's a hindrance inside my business for sure. Okay. So that can also impact the way that I build relationships with uh, people who are uh, not necessarily in the know of who I am. Maybe people who are just sort of on the outskirts of my circle, they don't really know who I am. And it's difficult for that kind of relationship to build. So that would be something that I struggle with and I, I work on all the time. I also hired somebody to help me with some of those things. We'll get into that one a bit. Um, Sensory processing difficulties, my gosh, um, I can't go work in a Starbucks. Not, I don't mean like be a barista. I mean, like I can't take my laptop and go sit and work in a Starbucks. There's too much noise and there's too much 
visual stuff going around. So my number one distraction with my ADHD brain is noise. So I could be sitting here right now, totally engaged, totally in the moment with whatever's happening right here. But if I hear somebody walk up my front steps, cause my, my front door is right over there. Um, or if I hear something in the house that doesn't make sense, there's a noise that I can't place. It instantly pulls me out. It, it's an instant distraction. So I have tools to help me. I have these things called loop earbuds. Um, these little things are fantastic. They sit inside my pocket. Uh, I even take them out when we go grocery shopping. And what they do is they just take the decibels down around me so that there's less um, ambient noise or less environmental noise going on so I can focus more on what's happening. I can still hear conversations that I'm having with people. I can still hear things with them, um, but I'm not, the distracting noise isn't so bad. Also, my dog, I have one dog that barks and makes lots of noise during the day and um, it's distracting and having these in my ears makes it so that it's less distracting. So that's helpful to me. Um, the whole movement piece, <laughs> if I'm focused, I can't get into hyper-focus mode if there's things moving around me. So um, I have to be mindful of that. I, I'm much better now than I used to be that used to be my number one distraction. I literally would work at night with all the lights off and I would just have the lights of my computer screen on. I know it's not good for your eyes, but that would be the way that I would be able to uh, focus because having any kind of movement or things moving around me caused me distraction. So I'm, I am better at that now. I literally have a picture window in front of me here and I can see the trees moving. And when the planes come in and land and take off, I can see that kind of thing. Sometimes the planes are distracting. Just saying. <laughs> Nonetheless, um, that is less of a distraction now than it used to be. So things can change inside your brain and in your life. Um, and also the same thing if you're you know, employees or people on your team. Just because it's one way today doesn't mean to say that's going to be the always the way that it is. So now perfectionism is a nasty beast. Um, it shows up in all kinds of different ways. But one of the ways that perfection shows up to me is when I don't know how to start a task. If I have a task that's either massive because I want to do it right. I want to do it the correct way. I want to do it a way that is effective and efficient. And if I can't do it effective and efficient, then I don't want to do it. Um, but also it comes up with, let's say, for example, um, I'm creating much social media images and I just don't know how to do it properly. Or if I'm going to go live or those kinds of things, like getting in the way of how do I do it so that I do it right? That's where kind of my perfectionism hurts me in those levels. So you can you can literally leverage your strengths in business. And um, for me, when I'm leveraging my strengths, um, the, the longer, the more often I stay in strength mode, the better off my business is. Full stop, okay? So regardless of what your best items are on your neurodiverse list, thinking about the different ways that you can do this. So there's so many different ways, but if you're really good at attention to detail, then maybe you can have a, you know, create this ability to spot errors and inconsistencies and that kind of thing. And that could be a really valuable part to your business. Again, you heard me talk about neurodiverse or hyperfocus. If that's something that you can use right? To your benefit, you talked, I talked to you about how it can kind of go sideways sometimes, but if you can find a way to harness that, you can actually work on something for an extended period of time and get a whole lot done if you're able to hone it to the point where you get to, to use it in a strength manner, right? 
in um, creativity. Gosh, neurodiverse people are so creative, um, generally speaking. And so my creativity shows up in the different ways that I problem solve. But some people are creative in terms of just the way they see the world and they can create different um, art or music or there's so many different ways that um, that creative creativity can come up, whether it's marketing or design and, you know, project develop or you know, product development, that kind of thing. Like if you if that's where your strengths are, you can really hone it into that problem solving. Like I talked to you about my problem solving. Um, sometimes um, complex data is something that from a from a, a problem solving perspective, I love Excel. Uh, it's one of my favorite tools. I love to rip apart some data and pull it apart. I am a fan of uh, being able to look at a set of data and find a new way to see it. Um, when I look at data, I just know the data is the data and I can make it visually look another way. So when I'm helping clients set up ClickUp, for example, they say to me, oh, what if we put it in wrong? I'm like, as long as you put the data in there, it doesn't matter. We can make whatever we want. They can't see it, but I can. So um, that might be something that comes up for you, um, you know, being able to analyze those things and see the data for what it is, which is just the core data and being able to create some amazing things. Um, so that's, you know, some of the ways also some neurodivergent people are really good with memory and recall. Now you might have a short-term memory awesomeness, or you might have a long-term memory awesomeness. You might have both. I mean, if you're really lucky, <laughs> but for you, you know, if, if memory is something that's really good for you, you could use those things inside your business for your clients and your projects. And, you know, the ability to recall that information quickly during meetings and presentations, that might be something that um, you could use that would impact your business as well. So there are so many different ways that you can leverage your own strengths inside your business that I encourage you to focus on those strengths first. Now, it's important for us to understand our challenges, know where we are lacking as opposed to where we are strong. Um, but I don't encourage you to try to make your challenges your best assets. Okay. A lot of times in society, we're told, oh, just work on being better at the thing you're not so good at. I encourage you to not take that road. I encourage you instead to focus on what you're good at and make yourself even better at what you're good at. Right. So, for example, with my hyperfocus, I'm just going to get better at calling my hyperfocus to me. I'm just going to get better at using my hyperfocus rather than saying, oh, you know what? I'm really good at hyperfocus, but maybe I'm not so good at um, networking and socializing. I'm going to work really hard at being better at networking and socializing. There are other ways around that to help me not have to do some of those. I'm still going to have to do some networking social, obviously, um, but there are some ways that I can booster that. Um, by helping myself with a team member that can do that. We're going to talk about that um, moving forward. But so when you do have challenges with your neurodiverse brain, it's important for you to honor those things, to understand them because they can get in your way. Okay. So if you're having difficulties with like networking, socializing, like I said, um, maybe you're having trouble because um, it's challenging for you to establish relationships with clients and partners and investors, or um, maybe it's you're having a hard time knowing what to say in social situations. That can cause some issues for sure. If that's something that you need help with, then I encourage you, like I said, look for somebody else. Let's talk about that one for sure. Executive function dis uh, difficulties. There's a lot of executive function talk on social media. Um, and for me personally, 
I'm pretty good with executive functioning. And I think it's because of my OCB, OCPT portion um, that I've had to use, you know, I had to have as a coping mechanism to survive my life before I learned what it was that was going on in my brain. Because executive function, in executive functioning difficulties show up um, when you're having a hard time planning, organizing, completing tasks, that kind of thing. Um, now, at the end of the day, um, having trouble with those kinds of things, managing your time effectively and prioritizing tasks and, you know, all that kind of stuff, you need to, if you're, if you're, that's trouble that you're having, you can get yourself a mentor, a coach, um, a group program that helps you to stay on track of those things. There are so many ways that you can help with that, that you don't need to rely on just yourself for that. Okay. Um, again, we talked about sensory and I told you about some of the challenge I've had with sensory and just think about what is it that impacts you? I mean, your sensory could be, uh, the way your clothes feel. Maybe uh, you look at like Steve Jobs, for example. I mean, he wore the same sh shirt, same pair of pants. I guarantee you he wore the same underwear and the same pair of uh, socks as well. I can almost guarantee that he was sensory uh, difficulty. He had sensory difficulties. And it was easy for him to literally just wear the same things that felt good on his body every day. Not only did he do that, but it also saved him from having to worry about what am I wearing today? Um, you'll see that in me a lot. I wear a lot of navy blue shirts. Maybe they're different, uh, but they all feel really good. Uh, they still present nicely, um, but I don't have to think a lot. My closet is very the same. I work online, so I wear comfortable pants and I wear a shirt, you know, a shirt that looks good on camera. And when I'm going out socializing or out in the world, I think I have a much harder time with those kinds of things because a lot of times the shirts that are comfortable may not look great on me when I'm standing up, but they look great sitting down, <laughs> but they're comfortable. Okay. So, um, these things can be challenges, but find a way around them for yourself. If you are the kind of person who literally says, I just want to wear t-shirts every day, then do it. <laughs> Find what works for you. My husband, I have to cut all the tags out of everything he owns. He can't stand to have tags on anything. It drives him absolutely bonkers. So there are lots of different ways where sensory can impact us. Some people can't handle too much cold. Some people can't handle too much hot. Some people can't be, you know, you have to be temp temperature comfortable, I suppose. Um, find out what works for you and then utilize those things to your benefit. Okay. Now, perfectionism, self-doubt, yada, yada. We all have it. I don't think there's, there's very few humans who don't deal with perfectionism and self-doubt to some degree. However, if it's getting in your way, um, you might see that it's challenging for you to take some risks, or maybe uh, you're worried about taking some bold business decisions um, because of this perfectionism or self-doubt that's holding you back. It can lead you to overthinking and analysis paralysis, um, and it can slow down and hinder your success. If that's the case, if you're having trouble with the perfectionism and self-doubt, again, I encourage you to look for some assistance. Um, coaches, mentors, group programs that help you deal with these things are valuable so that other people can say, no, really go for it. You've totally got this. Go for it. Giving you that, you know, oomph you need to get over that hump of, okay, yeah, I'm stuck in perfectionism. You know, so having somebody call you out, hey, are you stuck in perfectionism? It can be very, very valuable for sure. Now, we deal with stigma and stereotypes. That's for sure. There 
are still a lot of stereotypes and stigma associated with neurodiverse conditions. Um, some people, you know, they either poo-poo on the fact that you're taking your medication or you're not taking your medication or you are diagnosed or you're not diagnosed. Uh, there's a lot of stereotypes um, and there's a lot of things that can happen regardless of where you live in the world. It's everywhere. Okay. So it can be challenging for a neurodiverse person to succeed if they're coming up against these kinds of things. So um, it's possible that uh, maybe you've had problems securing some funding in your business because of your diagnosis, um, or maybe potential clients or partners, maybe um, you've been in trouble having the right team members because of some stigmas around your neurodiversity. There's a lot of challenges around that. However, when you surround yourself with people who are supportive and caring and who know what you're going through, it can be way more helpful um, to kind of tune out the garbage um, that is out there that is spewing at you, okay? When we are surrounded by people who are experiencing the same things, who are supportive in our missions, who are willing to be there for us, makes a huge difference. So that's one of the ways that you can help with, you know, some of those um, challenges and overcoming those. For me, one of the best things I have done and continue to do is build a supportive team. Now, a team doesn't have to just mean team members inside your business. Let's be honest, okay? A team can literally be supportive friends. It could be mentors. It could be coaches. It could be group programs. There's a lot of different ways to surround yourself with support. Whoever's not supporting you, needs to go. Now, if you don't want to totally say, I never want to see you again, limit your engagement with that person or remove yourself. Instead of spending every, every day talking to them, take a break, talk to them once a month or something. Um, but having people who are supporting you is going to make a huge difference. So when you are building a team of people who are working inside your business, because that's what I want to talk to you about right now, because you have a lot more control over that, um, you want to understand your strengths and weaknesses. Remember before we talked about the strengths and how it was important to you know lean into those strengths and your weaknesses, try to find ways to overcome them by supporting yourself with them. This is where this comes in. Other than you know you, you have control over your friends and your mentors and coaches, you want definitely want to be thinking about this when you're choosing those people as well. You want to be able to make sure that you can identify what you're good at and then you need to identify other people around you who can come in and support you in those weakest areas, okay? You want to look for complementary skills and strengths. So when you're building your team, you want to think about... Um, maybe bringing in other neurodiverse people who have different strengths than you. I mean, if your, if your memory sucks, then maybe you need to bring somebody in your team who has a better memory, who has the ability to help you to remember the things you need to remember. Um, personally for me, with the whole communication thing, my written communication isn't awesome. So I have Lisa who comes in and helps me with my written communication. She is my communications uh, person inside the business. So you know, looking at where do I need to support myself and bring myself to a place where um, I can be supported inside the business and how can we as a, as a team grow? And um, by creating a business that way, it's amazing the difference. Um, every single person inside Geeky Girl is an important, valuable piece of the entire organization. And we are all working together to grow something. Um, the better we do, uh, together as a team, the better it can be for sure. 
right? So you want to make sure that you can navigate some of those ideas and then be really transparent with your team members, your coaches, your mentors, everybody around you. Be really transparent about what your needs are. So in order to be transparent about what your needs are, you have to understand what your needs are. (laughs) So that's where coming, you know, back to that concept of what are your strengths and weaknesses? Think about what it is that you need. um, How do you need to be supportive? And what do you need um, to feel like you have the support you need to succeed? And then um, communication and feedback is really important in in terms of, um, you know, team like your team for your business. Okay. Uh, regular check-ins. We have weekly meetings inside our team, but we also chat all the time through ClickUp and uh, Slack. So we have constant communications with each other. Uh, but there are definitely times when I feel like a team member needs a little bit more communication. And in those moments, again, like I said earlier that, you know, my attention to employee well-being really kicks in at this point, I can say, Hey, how are things going? What do you like most about what you're doing? What don't you like most about what you're doing? How can we help get some things off your plate that maybe you're not liking anymore? How can we grow some other areas that you want to, uh, you know, change and grow into perhaps? Um, that's really important um, in creating these communication with the team so that we can all stay in our circle of brilliance. You always want to make sure you have the right bums in the right seats. And sometimes as people change and grow, they need to change seats. So it's important to be open to those concepts inside your business as well. So, and that leads me to supporting that, uh, creating that supportive workplace because we want to be able to make sure that we're supporting each other and each other's needs and each other's neurodiversities. And so that we can make sure that we have um, clear expectations from, from and with each other. And then we want to make sure that everyone's comfortable sharing their ideas. I, I, I don't, I don't have all the answers. That's just the more that you understand that you don't have the answers, the more you can grow your business. I was talking to somebody uh, the other day and they were talking about how, you know, they were hoping that their employees would be willing to talk about how they can grow their business as opposed to them just going, Oh, you know, I want more hours rather than, you know, so her, her role in her team, same as what I do in, in, in our team here is it's people don't come to me and go, Oh, I need more hours. They come to me and go, Hey, what if we did this and we could grow this part of the business, right? Because we support each other. And because everybody's feels heard when they bring a solution, everybody's willing to come up with new and innovative ideas inside the team. So it's a different way um, rather than having that sort of um, closed off feeling where the people don't feel like they can talk to you. They can't bring those things to you. Um, it's having that open door policy basically, but not just with just the person who owns the business, but the whole team, everybody can share ideas. That is a very, very powerful thing. Um, there are so many benefits to having a neurodiverse perspective in your business, whether that's you, maybe your whole team, as it is mine. Um, or, you know, even if you just have one fantastic neurodiverse human being somewhere in your team, there's a lot of different benefits for having a neurodiverse brain, along with having a neurotypical idea. So there's a lot of things out there that we're very clear on from a neurotypical department. So when we add this neurodiverse perspective, there's some really cool things that can happen. Again, that attention to detail, um, you know, finding those inconsistencies that other people might just overlook, um, looking for valuable areas and quality control, compliance stuff like that's, you know, really important when it comes to making sure that you're delivering a fantastic product every single time to clients. 
um, the innovative problem solving, finding new ways around a solution, finding new ways around a problem with a solution that other people just couldn't come up with, um, approaching those problems with a different angle, that kind of idea. Um, with a neurotypical brain, it might be harder for them to come up with those ideas, but us neurodiverse people tend to try to think around things a lot. So um, that strong focus in performance, when we are motivated, that's what's really important about us neurodiverse people, we need to be motivated to, um, to do what we do. Being included and having our voice heard is one way to make sure that we stay motivated. And part of that allows us to be able to create some pretty amazing things. We work really hard for you. <laughs> we work really hard for ourselves. Um, and so we can get through with some determination, uh, working your longer hours, right? That kind of thing. Um, when we feel valued, we really, really work hard when we feel valued. And that can be with your clients too. So um, you will work harder for clients who value you more than the clients who don't treat you well. So always surround yourself with clients that treat you really well and really value your expertise. You'll never have trouble finding time or energy to do their projects because you'll feel great about the way that they treat you. Okay. Created creativity, out of the box thinking, finding new ways to, to look at ideas, to come up with um, some new solutions. Creativity is something that comes in spades with uh, our neurodiverse brain. Um, even if it's not uh, artistic creativity, there's other kinds of art, uh, uh, creativity. So think about that from you know, perspective of what you need in your business. And then that whole employee well-being piece, even if that person isn't in a leadership role and they're in the company somewhere, they will still pay attention to other people around them. They will still be that person that holds a, a team together uh, and make sure that everybody feels heard and is included. They make really great leaders, just saying, because they have the ability to listen to and understand people and they want to uh, be able to help everybody uh, to have a better workplace and, you know, provide accommodations that still work within the culture of the company, but also supports the inclusive needs of that neurodiverse person and still falls within the, you know, needs of the company as well. So at the end of the day, uh, neurodiversity is something that we need to embrace more. It is something that um, our brains are unique and interesting and like I said, there's not one mold here. Uh, just because somebody says, oh, I have ADHD doesn't mean to say that the next person who says, oh, I have ADHD is the same or any other neurodiverse type of um, diagnosis that comes across the table. Each individual has their own strengths, their own challenges. And, uh, you know, as neurotypicals as well, they have their own strengths and, we and challenges as well. Ours are a little bit different. That's all. And the more we talk about it, the less they'll become different. The more we talk about it, the more people will say, oh, that's just sort of a normal piece of the puzzle. And it's a really great thing to have around. So I encourage you, if you haven't already, uh, to embrace having some neurodiverse people on your team. Remember, when you are looking to build a neurodiverse team, it's really important for you to first and foremost, make sure that you are researching and understanding what people who have neurodiverse brains need. And if you have somebody on your team and you're not really sure why it's not fitting great, take some time to open that communication, have that conversation with that person um, and find out how you can better support them and how they need to be supported. Because just because one thing works for you doesn't mean to say it's going to work for them. I hope you have a fantastic week. I look forward to talking to you next week. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Overgivers Anonymous podcast. Your support means the world to me. You can find show notes for this episode and other goodies at overgiversanonymous.ca. And if you enjoyed this episode or you enjoyed the podcast in general, why not join us in the Overgivers Anonymous Facebook group where you can connect with overgivers from all over the world. Head on over to geekygirl.ca slash group.